Section nine of Monday Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Monday Tales by Alphonse Daudet, translated by Marion McIntyre. Section nine The Defense of Tarascon. God be praised at last news of Tarascon. For five months I have merely existed, such was my state of suspense. Knowing the exaltation of that good town, knowing the bellicose humor of its inhabitants, I said to myself again and again, who can tell what Tarascon has been doing? May it not have rushed in a body upon the barbarians, been bombarded like Strasbourg, burned alive like Chateaudan? Perhaps like Paris it is dying of hunger, perhaps like Léon and its intrepid citadel, it has been blown up in a savage paroxysm of patriotism. None of these things, my friends. Tarascon has not been burned. Tarascon is not blown up. Tarascon is where it has always been, its peaceful site, surrounded by vineyards, the glad sunshine flooding its streets, its cellars full of fine muscat, and the Rhone, which bathes that amiable locality, bears to the sea as of old the image of a prosperous town, and on the river's shining surface may still be seen the reflection of green blinds and well-raked gardens and militia in new coats drilling all along the quay. But do not suppose for a moment that Tarascon has been sitting with hands folded during the war. On the contrary, it has behaved admirably, and its heroic resistance, which I shall attempt to describe to you, deserves its place in history as a type of local resistance, a living symbol of the defense of the South. The singing societies. I will admit that until Sedan was fought, our gallant Tarasconians stayed at home, and their sentiments were quite peaceful. These proud sons of the Alpilles never considered that possibly the fatherland had received its death-blow on this battlefield. It was the empire and the emperor's soldiers that were perishing. But once the 4th of September had come and the Republic with Attila encamped about Paris, ah, then it was that Tarascon awoke and perceived this was not else than a national war. Of course, it began with a demonstration on the part of the singing societies. You know what a passion for music they have in the South. At Tarascon, especially, it becomes a perfect frenzy. In the streets, as you pass, all the windows are singing at you, and every balcony drops romantic lays upon your head. No matter what shop you enter, at the desk there is always a guitar sign, and even the apothecary's boys, as they serve you, whistle the nightingale and the Spanish lute, tra-la-la, la-la-la. And as if these private concerts were not enough, the Tarasconis have also a town brass band, a college band, and I dare not say how many singing societies. It was St. Christopher's Singing Society and its admirable three-part chorus, on to save France, which struck the first note of the national movement. Yes, yes, on to save France, cried the worthy Tarasconian, and handkerchiefs were waved from the windows, and men clapped their hands, and women threw kisses to the harmonious phalanx which paraded the esplanade, marching four rows deep, keeping step proudly a banner at its head. An impetus had been given to the movement. 
from that day no more barcaroles no more pensive sighing of guitars everywhere the spanish lute yielded to the marseillaise and twice every week people were almost smothered upon the esplanade where they gathered to listen to the college band playing chant du départ fabulous prices were paid for seats but the tarasconese did not stop at that the cavalcades after the demonstration of the singing societies there were historical cavalcades for the benefit of the wounded what more pleasing sight than that presented upon a bright sabbath day when all the valorous youth of tarascon might be seen in hunting boots and light tights soliciting contributions from door to door and caracoling under the balconies armed with halberds and butterfly nets but finest of all was a patriotic tournament francis i at the battle of pavia this was held thrice in succession on the esplanade by the gentlemen of the club he who missed that sight has not lived the marseilles theatre loaned the costumes gold and silk and velvet embroidered standards shields and helmets caparisons ribbons bow knots rosettes lanceheads and breastplates made the esplanade flash and glitter like a mirror for enticing larks and then a strong sudden breath of the mistral which handled all this splendor somewhat roughly it was indeed a magnificent sight but unfortunately when after a fierce contest francis i monsieur bompard director of the club found that he was surrounded by a body of writers the luckless bompard in surrendering his sword did so with a shrug of the shoulders so enigmatic that instead of announcing all his loss save honour it seemed rather to say digoli que vong mouan bon but the Terragonese were not too close observers, and patriotic tears sparkled in every eye. The breach. With such spectacles as these, such songs, amid such glory of river and sky, no wonder all heads were turned, and their exaltation reached its highest point upon reading the government bulletins. People accosted each other upon the esplanade with a threatening air, their teeth tightly closed, chewing their words like bullets their conversation smelt of powder there was saltpetre in the air and above all one should have heard these effervescent tarasconians at a breakfast in the cafe de la comedie they would exclaim what are they doing these parisians with that train de dieu general trousseau of theirs they will never never cut through the enemy coquin de bon sort if now it was tarascon long ago we would have made a breach when while paris was choking upon its oat bread these gentlemen devoured succulent red-legged partridges washing them down with the good wine of avignon and when they had eaten till they could eat no more their shining faces steeped in gravy up to the ears they would shout like deaf men striking the table vigorously a breach there make a breach why don't you and really they were quite right about it the club's defence meanwhile the barbarian invasion was gradually gaining southward dijon taken lyon was threatened and already the oulan mer had caught a whiff of the fragrant fields of the rhone valley and neighed longingly for them let us organize our defence said the tarasconese and every one set to work in an instant the town was protected barricaded casemated every house became a fortress at costecaldas the gunsmith there was in front of the shop a trench two metres wide with a drawbridge too really a charming affair at the club the defensive works were of such magnitude that every one visited them moved by curiosity 
monsieur bompard the club's director stood at the head of the stairway his chassepot in one hand and furnished explanations to the ladies if they should approach on this side piff paff if on the other hand they come from that direction piff paff and at every street corner people would stop you with a mysterious air and tell you the cafe de la comedie is impregnable or even more mysteriously they have just put torpedoes under the esplanade certainly the barbarians might do well to reflect the sharpshooters at the same time companies of sharpshooters were organized with an enthusiasm amounting to frenzy brothers of death narbonnese jacquard blunderbusset of the rhone they had all sorts of titles and colours like the centauria in a field of oats and such panache and cock's plumes gigantic hats and enormous belts that he might have a more formidable air every sharpshooter allowed his moustache and beard to grow so that one acquaintance could no longer recognize another if they met out for a walk at a distance you would sight a brigand of the abruzzi bearing down upon you with flaming eyes bristling moustache and a rattling of sabres revolvers and yatagans and when he came nearer it was only pegoulade the collector another time you would encounter on the stairway robinson crusoe himself with his pointed hat sawtooth cutlass and gun upon his shoulder but after all it was only the gunsmith costacalda returning from town where he had been dining but the worst of it was that in giving themselves such a ferocious appearance the terragonese actually became frightened of themselves and soon no one dared walk abroad wild rabbits and tame rabbits the bordeaux decree for the organization of the national guards put an end to this intolerable situation at the powerful bidding of the triumvirs the cock's plumes suddenly vanished and jackals blunderbusses and others presented themselves to be made into honest militiamen under orders of the gallant general bravida aged captain of the wardrobe now ensued new complications the bordeaux decree as you know recognized two classes in the national guards the national guard that was to form part of the moving army and the sedentaire the wild rabbits and the tame rabbits as pegoulade the collector observed drolly enough at first while the companies were forming those of the guard who were wild rabbits naturally had the leading role to play every morning they drilled upon the esplanade gallant general brovida at their head there was firing and skirmishing couchez-vous levez-vous and divers orders these sham fights attracted crowds of spectators the ladies of tarascon would not miss a single one of them and even the ladies from beaucaire would sometimes cross the bridge just to admire our rabbits all this time those poor tame rabbits of the national guard modestly did duty service in the town and were on guard before the museum where there was nothing to guard but an old lizard stuffed with moss and two falcons of the time of good king rene and besides the beaucaire ladies never crossed the bridge to see them but after three months of skirmishing when it was perceived that the wild rabbits of the national guard never once budged from the esplanade the popular enthusiasm began to cool all in vain did general bravida cry to his rabbits couchez-vous levez-vous no one watched them now and soon these mock skirmishes were the laughing stock of the town heaven knows it was not the fault of these unfortunate rabbits that they received no marching orders they were mad enough about it at last one day they refused to drill 
no more parade they cried with patriotic fervor we are the moving army and we want to march and so you shall or my name will not be bravida exclaimed the gallant general and swelling with anger he went to the mairie and demanded an explanation at the mairie he was told no orders had been received it was for the prefecture to give them to the prefecture then i will go said bravida and a little later he was on the express bound for marseilles in search of the prefect now this was no easy matter for at marseilles there are five or six prefects permanently located and none who can tell you which one of them all is the special prefect with whom you have to do however by a stroke of good luck bravida put his hand upon the right one at the first moment for all the prefects were assembled in council when the gallant general addressed them in the name of his men and with all the authority of a veteran captain of the wardrobe but after he had spoken a few words the prefect interrupted him pardon general but how is it that your soldiers asked you that they may be allowed to move while they asked me for permission to stay at home read this and with a smile upon his lips he tendered the general a most pathetic petition addressed to the prefecture emanating from two of the wild rabbits the very ones who had displayed the most furious zeal for marching the petition contained a postscript from the doctor from the priest and from the notary of the town and the petitioners requested that on account of physical infirmities they might be permitted to join the ranks of the tame rabbits and i have more than three hundred just like them added the prefect still smiling now you understand general why we have not pressed your men to march unfortunately too many already have been compelled to move when they wanted to stay at home no more of that and so god save the republic and good luck to your rabbits the farewell punch it need not be said that the general returned to tarascon crestfallen but now for another story what had the tarasconese done during his absence they had actually completed all the arrangements for a farewell punch by subscription for the rabbits who were about to leave all to no purpose did the gallant general bravida inform them that they need not take the trouble that no one was going to leave the punch was subscribed for ordered nothing remained now but to drink it and they did and so one sunday evening that touching ceremony of drinking the farewell punch took place in the rooms of the marie and through the small hours toasts viva addresses and patriotic songs made the windows of the municipal building tremble every one knew of course how much significance this farewell punch had the tame rabbits of the guard who had paid for it were strongly convinced that their comrades had no intention of leaving the wild rabbits who drank the punch were of the same conviction and the venerable deputy mayor who in a voice trembling with emotion protested in the hearing of all these braves that he was ready to march at their head knew better than any other there that they were not to march at all but what difference did that make these are such extraordinary creatures that before the farewell punch was finished everybody was in tears every one embracing his neighbor and strangest of all everybody was sincere about it even the general at tarascon as indeed throughout all the south of france i have frequently observed this result of mirage End of section nine.